Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome back to the French Rugby Podcast with me, Tim Groves, ex-Scotland International and adopted Frenchman, Johnny BT. And we're going to have a chat with another Scot, Scotland scrum half, Ben White, shortly after he swapped the Premiership for the top 14 this season to find out how life in Toulon is panning out, amongst other things. It's all kicking off in French Rugby, Johnny, this week, again. As again. If it's ever anything different. Uh, we've got loads to talk about. And how are you as well? It's a special day today, isn't it? You're relaxing. You're off on a big night out later. A big night, mate. No it's big your nights out. But it's not just my birthday. So our third Finn is a birthday t- twin. So we share birthdays. So it's my 38th and it's his third. So I'm all teed up for Paw Patrol birthday cakes. Uh, <laughs> That's just for you, yeah? <laughs> just for me, exactly. Jen's pulled out all the stops. The, the Paw Patrol birthday cake is on its way just for me. I don't know what Finn's getting, actually. It's a good point you make. Um <laughs> But mate, looking forward to celebrating with him after school and not just a quiet day to the grindstone, mate. World Rugby day job, still in the sort of hangover from the Rugby World Cup. But as you mentioned, all kicking off in the top 14. So looking forward to getting to that before we chat to Ben. It is all kicking off. I mean, we chatted last week about <laughs> the potential for a little bit more change potentially at Montpellier with Antoine Batout coming in. Lo and behold, a lot more change. It ain't just Antoine. Cock is gone. Ellis Ald gone. Colazzo, we were just talking about leaving Brief. He's in. Vincent Chateau, you know him, he's in. Christian Labitte is in. But the headline is obviously Bernard Laporte, who was handed a two-year suspended prison sentence last December, and he was suspended as well from holding any position in French rugby. But he has appealed, which means he can take up another role, I guess. And he's in as well. You know what is hilarious about that? Mm. Is that what you just mentioned hasn't even been mentioned at all in the press over here in France. Really? Not at all. It's a sporting thing. It's a guy with a passion for rugby and a winning CV. And uh, like they haven't even mentioned the fact that there's scandal. And actually, it's <laughs> it was between Altrad and Laporte and the FFR. That's how this has all come about. But actually, now he's employing him full-time to come be the sporting director or the director of rugby um, at Montpellier. Well, we're going to mention it. So, Well, there you go. <laughs> I mean, it is what it is. Um, and technically, he is allowed to take the position. But it's bizarre as it is done. Um, and I mean, thoughts initially, like you have to think for Cockers, for Richard Cockerell, like seven mm-hmm. games into the new role, gone. Um, and then the boys that you mentioned. So Echetto was my head coach and backs coach at Bayonne. Christian Labitte, former Toulouse back rower, was coach of Carcassonne for a long time. And what those guys are known for is energy, 
fun. They are upbeat. They are positive people um, that know how to lead a group. And they'll come in and they'll inject that straight away. Antoine Batut, who I played with at Bayonne, is very technical, calm character. I mean, he also had a court case. He got sacked by Bayonne because he knocked out a nurse or something down in Bayonne, apparently, allegedly. And he's going through that court case as well. So totally out of character for him. But that's it. It's, it's a staff that's been patched together. Colazzo, who left Bree last week, he's been replaced by Bronken musical chairs. But what they're looking for, they talk about all the time in France, is an electroshock, like something to give, like get the defib on, what get the defib pack on the club, get everyone back together, feeling good with it, with a different clean message and start again. Because like Altrad's come out and spoken about it this week, like they've got far too good a good a playing staff to be where they are, to be last in the top 14. You saw tears from the players after that loss last weekend uh, in the sort of derby against Perpignan. So he's had to do something. Amidst all that, you have Ugo Mola coming out last night and saying, pleading with top 14 coaches to, sorry, with top 14 presidents to be more patient. He's like, this musical chairs and the volatility that we have can't go on, but it's happened again. So four new coaches coming in, Laporte coming in, which would be seen as scandal widely, but isn't reported here at all. It's just Bernie's back and he's in for the top job and he's and he's going to do a job. So that, that's how it's been reported here in France. Yeah, I mean, maybe not a good look for the rest of the world because we all know about that. And more than anything, that is suspended for the time being because of his appeal. But if his appeal isn't successful, presumably but then he has, he has to, leave. to leave. But what's incredible as well is how, I don't know, like I'm half French, right? So, hmm. but I just don't understand how it's not reported on. Yeah. It's incredible. But look, he's there for a reason. He does have... A fantastic sporting history of success with, you know, going all the way back to Bordeaux, Stade Francais, Toulon, the French team as well. The game has evolved and changed. And when he was at Toulon, he had the biggest bunch of barbarians that rugby has ever seen on the club circuit. So I don't see this being an easy task either. But that's it. He's got Colazzo, Echetto, Labitte, and Antoine Batut to come in and try and restart this club as quickly as possible because they are floundering at the bottom of the top 14. And what is going on? with Rafael Ibanez because there were reports that he was moving on to a different role within the FFR. Then the FFR announced that he's still team manager, but there's a lot of blurb that came with it that sort of suggests his role is changing. Has there been a fallout with Fabian Galtier or not? Well, no, there's a lot of kind of crap report. Like it was all clickbait that came out of, you know, hmm. leaving. And But as far as it's been reported here, he's just taking on more of a role with the FFR, which would be a bit more of a, a stretch for him, so he's taking on more responsibility because he's done a good job in that sort of communication management role uh, with the French team. So I don't think he's leaving his role. I, I think he's continuing and just taking more on or maybe he has a more varied function. But yeah, a lot of the sort of clickbaity press reports were even as to leave, doesn't want to be in his role anymore. But I think he's just taking on a, a larger, more rounded role while still being there as part of the French setup. Yeah, there have been some reports that his brother-in-law, even as his brother-in-law, Fabian Dort, had made comments against Fabian Gautier. He'd been annoyed by that. But like you say, it could be just media reports. We don't okay. know. It's the same like today, the regurgitating quotes that Vincent Echetto made against Bernard Laporte in 2019. Like Rugby's a small world and there are relations that relationships that are, especially when you're pitted against each other, all become funny when you have to then get into the same room and work together for the Vespa club. So whether it's Rafa and Fabian, uh, Echetto and Laporte, like these things are, are going to happen. And one other piece of musical chairs, obviously we chatted a bit about Melvin Jaminet last week. His move yep. has been confirmed. And obviously we know Antoine Dupont is going to play in the sevens. So we mentioned 
Toulouse would have a bit of cash slashing about, and they may be spending it on Louis Carbonell from Montpellier. Well, it looks like they've got a check for 500k, which is a decent bit of business for Melvin Jaminet. But the reason Carbonell left Toulon in the first instance was there was a big clash with Colazzo, <laughs> and he was part of the playing group that went to the Prem president and said, look, this can't go on, and he was removed. Colazzo now coming to Montpellier, which is where Carbonell is, there's obviously a big clash of personalities. I've just said that personalities can work together, but when it's staff to player, it's different, right? So Louis Carbonell also wants out of Montpellier. Garbisi's probably nailed down as the first choice 10 there anyway. Yeah. And Toulouse are looking for a 10. They had Antoine Dupont playing standoff at the weekend against Cast. So they have to find somebody for the rest of this year because with Intermac out injured, they don't have much depth in the 10 jersey. So Toulouse have sort of voiced an interest. They'd love to take on Louis Carbonell, but they're going to get a backlash from Toulon fans. They've actually got a petition going. Carbonell and Jaminet played together in the youth section, like all the way down to like four, five, six years old. And they were devastated when he left. So they want to get Jaminet and Carbonell back together. So those are the sort of tug of wars that are going on at the minute. But Toulouse desperately needs somebody because they don't have any real leading 10 at the minute. And it seems like Carbonell is going to be that man. Right, we'll have a chat with Ben White in just a minute and we'll talk about some more of the top 14 action on and off the pitch later on. But first, let's find out what your meter moment of the week is, Johnny. It's Toulon, mate. Again, there's a bit of a theme. Last week it was Tyler, it was cast. This week, Ben's on, it's Toulon. <laughs> Quinston's. Um, huge performance. And again, question marks have been asked about them, their consistency away from home, quality of performance. They were insane. Huge away performance against Claremont. What a game that was, by the way. Like back and forth, mega running rugby. Both sides playing positively. It finished 30-27, three tries apiece. Claremont had a, a real chance to win it in injury time, but they just coughed up the ball in the fifth minute of injury time. But it was actually a youngster from Toulon. It wasn't Toulon. It wasn't Alan Wynne-Jones. It wasn't the old school. It was somebody probably you'd never heard of. Jules Coulon, 21-year-old. Normally with the youth team in the S-bars, but he was insane, mate. 10 carries, 10 tackles, two tries, something like four tackle breaks, three line breaks, um, and he was just everywhere. So there's one to watch for the future of the rest of the season. I reckon he'll go to get more and more game time. Six Nation, Charles Olivon being away, playing on the French side. Jules Coulon, a name to watch for the future. And he was phenomenal at the weekend in Claremont. Huge win for them. That was Johnny's meter moment of the week. And meter is the world's number one wireless meat thermometer. Recently making over 20 million cooks better with their game-changing app and completely wireless Bluetooth meat probe. You can use it on a barbecue, in the oven, or in a pan. And you can get your hands on one at meter.com. Plus, you can get 10% off any full-price item. All you have to do is enter the code FRENCHPOD10 at checkout. That's FRENCHPOD10, and you'll get 10% off any full-price item at meter.com. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. 
In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. We will chat a bit more about the action on the pitch in the top 14 shortly, but we can have a chat with another Scott now, Johnny, and one who's just settling into life in the top 14, Toulon scrum half, Ben White joins us. How you doing? Yeah, I'm really well, guys. How are you? You well? Johnny's very excited to get off to his Paw Patrol birthday cake shortly, but uh, we'll focus on you first. Um, you played a handful of games now, so you're kind of settling in after the World Cup. So how's it going? Yeah, I'm I'm absolutely loving my time, to be honest. Uh, no, it was great just to, to dive straight in after the World Cup to come here and to get going, get playing, really. Um, I've, I've really enjoyed my sort of uh, start to the Toulon experience. It's such nice. It's been great. And you signed quite early in the summer. So did you get a chance to get something set up before the World Cup training camps? Well, it, it all happened so fast with obviously with what happened at London Irish. And then as soon as this came about, sort of uh, maybe a month or so, a couple of weeks after 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 the news. Um, and then so we were we were in training um, up in in. Uh, the Orium, just outside of Edinburgh for, for most of pre-season. So I was actually there when sort of the the talk sort of started um, and had some Zoom calls with uh, with Pierre and Laurent and people at the club. Um, yeah, and then luckily we actually, because our training base for the World Cup was in Nice. Um, so during one of the days in Nice, I managed to to, to pop down across the Toulon and... Um, and to actually have a look around the training ground and get to meet meet Pierre and meet uh, Laurent and some of the other staff and and yeah they sort of talked to me about their vision of the club and things and how they wanted to play and and yeah it sort of went from there yeah it was it's pretty cool when a club like that comes and says that they're interested in signing you like right okay that's quite cool yeah don't let this slip and it might sound like an obvious question given you're in Toulon among the chateaus the port the wonderful scenery around there I'm guessing you had other offers from maybe within the premiership or going back to Scotland or elsewhere what was it about Toulon that appealed most yeah no I think to be honest it was more like obviously in in the top 14 and in France like a lot of the the plays around the scrum half like a lot of the plays um from from line out around scrum half um a lot of the attack in the in the 22 and and, and just general phase play is is off is off the scrum half as well so for me, that's probably slightly different to, to the times in, in England and things, which was something that interested me. And, you know, I think like over the years, the, the scrum halves in France has been a, you know, it's been a massive position for them and, and they're perceived to be some of the best nines in, in, in the world. So for me, it was to, to be able to sort of train and play and be coached by a scrum half also. Um, I thought that was a, a huge opportunity for me to get better as an individual. And also, you know, it, it, the squad this team, this club has, the, you know, the squad that they have, the coaches they have, the infrastructure they have. I mean, the fans. It's 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 like the, you know, 
there's there's no excuse here not to do well like it's the perfect package so yeah for me I, as soon as I sort of knew there was potential I was like right I'm I'm, I'm all in on this now um, and yeah look I think uh, Pierre having plays come off spending time with him and understanding how he wants me to play and um, the way he wants the team to play things has, has been really good for me and I've learned a lot in, in the couple of weeks that I've just been there. Mate, it's interesting to hear the passion in your voice as well. When you first said Top 14, it's obviously a podcast, but your eyes completely lit up talking about it. So is this something that potentially moved to France? It was forced because of what happened to London Irish, but hearing the way you talk about scrum halves, how they're regarded, the fans and the frenzied nature of it over here, is it something that you always had one eye on that you'd maybe love to try in the future. Yeah, yeah. It was always something that I that I wanted to do, but I never knew if it would become an opportunity, really. Um, you know, and if, if I guess if it didn't happen with London, if London Irish didn't go under, who knows if I ever would have had this opportunity in terms of timings and things, because that's, you know, you know what it's like. It's Most of it is to do with, with timings. Um, but no, I think having played a couple of games and things, the, the atmosphere in the top 14s and the spectacle around games is second to none like it, it is it is amazing it's like a you know it's like test matches like you know when you pull up to the Stade Mayol we you know we have hundreds of people that line you into the to the to the stadium um you know the the drums are playing the flares are going off and you're like wow this is this is cool and it's every week you know we we were away at um Claremont last week and again you know the the fans, the atmosphere, the drums, the the whole spectacle of the events here are are amazing, and that's what you want to be playing. And you want to be playing in games every week where it's like, you know, this is a huge match, this is a huge opportunity for the club, um, and and that's what's exciting as a player, isn't it? You know, you want to be playing against the best opposition um, every week, and that's how you get better. Let's talk about that game at Claremont at the weekend, then, because it was a spectacle for another reason as well. What was it like to play in Alan Wynne Jones? final game as a professional because he got some ovation didn't he yeah he did he did and rightly so to be honest obviously I'd never met Alan before going to Toulon I think I might have played against him once or twice but not much um, and actually he's you know one of the nicest blokes you meet I know it's a very generic thing to say and most people in rugby are good blokes but no he was he was a great man a great professional and it, yeah it was pretty cool to get to play in that and to witness that and um, you know the club let him be be captain as well, and he spoke well. Tried his bit in French, <laughs> which is quite <laughs> funny. Um, but no, he did. Um, he did. He did well, and yeah, it was amazing. And, and I think you know shows it shows the person he is and how big he was within the within the game when the whole Claremont crowd as well was was clapping him off. And you know it was it was a uh, it was great to also get a win for for him in his last game. Mate, what I find incredible is he's thirty eight, right? So I've only just turned thirty eight today. So Alan Wynne Jones, I haven't played against him as well. I'm retired four years. Yeah. So he's he's played a hundred how many how many tests he's had. But like I wanted to ask you, Alan Wynne Jones, the impact has been so broad and so well felt even in French rugby. He's been here a very short period. But what little bits did you or the others around you notice about the way he goes about his business or the way he carries himself that maybe maybe the reason why he's been appreciated so much in such a short time at Toulon? You know, I guess if, you, if you'd have watched training last week and you'd have seen how he was around the facility, you saw how he was on the training pitch, you saw how hard he was training, you wouldn't have thought he was retiring at the weekend. Like, even, you know, boys were saying they were like, he could probably play another couple of years, to be honest. Um, I think the way he reads the game, things, obviously his, his line-out expertise is second to none. But the skills he has, you know, he's got, he's actually got really good skills, to be fair to him. Um, 
And yeah, look, he, he's, he's just a great person to have around the team because of the energy he has and, and, you know, the character that he is. So I think he enjoyed his spell there, even though it was short. And I know that the, that all the players really enjoyed um, having him in the squad. And obviously, you know, having somebody like that with the experience he has and, you know, on your team is, is you definitely feel more confident going into a game for sure. Another experienced Welshman, I know he got injured a couple of weeks ago, but Dan Bigger, has he been helping settle you in? And what's he been like to play alongside in the halfbacks? I have to say, his his French is really good. It's it's not it's not bad. Obviously, I've played with Finn as well, and Finn's French is really really like his is really good. He's even got the accent and stuff nailed down, <laughs> uh, which is quite impressive. So, uh, no, I mean he's obviously helped just sort of having a, a fly half that can obviously speak French and English. Um, terms of calling of plays and and just little things like that um it's, it's been great because it does help you obviously at the start when i'm having lessons <laughs> every week and you try and get out and speak as much as you can on the pitch and you know and things but it, it is difficult in in the heat of the battle when you know because people start speaking more french and they don't have time to speak to you in english when they're obviously in the middle of the game so you know you definitely have to pull more on you know the people who can speak French and English. Sometimes, if you're not happy with something, speak to them, and then they can translate into French. Or you know, whilst I'm still trying to learn learn the language, I wish I could just be able to split and uh, speak French. But um, no, he's a he's a great player again. Um, somebody who who speaks very well, he leads very well, and um, yeah, he's he's obviously a key player within this team, and um, he definitely affects the way we play. So. I only ended up playing about six minutes with him before he did his back, but um, which was yeah a nightmare for him. But no, he's. Um, I think hopefully he won't be out for too much. Long. Well, I don't know, but hopefully he's not out for too much longer. I was going to say he must be regretting being able to speak French now because he'll be getting shit from both the Frenchies and the foreigners for doing his back so early. So like, how much abuse has he caught? Because social media went absolutely everywhere. So I'm assuming the boys gave him a little bit behind the scenes as well. <laughs> a little bit, but everyone was a bit. Obviously, when somebody goes down like that, you're like. Oh my god, that Snipe, looks quite bad. Yeah, yeah. Um, so and I was actually rooming with him and obviously we had a big bus trip to Perpignan and he was saying he was like, Oh, my back is quite sore. And I was like, Oh, hopefully you'll be all right. And then he went down and I was like, Oh no. So um I think everyone was a bit obviously worried at first, but yeah, I'm I'm sure people did give him a bit of a bit of a bit of stick over it. But um no, it's hopefully back fit in, in a couple of weeks. It was the bus trip and the uh the poor beds in the hotel room that did it. Yeah. I have to say the bus trips, that they're something to get used to. They're mate. um oh my god. And as <laughs> you get older, mate, as you get older, the back the back doesn't get any easier, I'm telling you now. Oh, I mean these buses are unbelievable, you know, they've got nice, nice leather seats, they recline, but it's still a bus and it's still eight hours. It's a it's a long old way. Obviously, we we bust the Claremont at the weekend, and the other way, what the other away trip was Perpignan. Perpignan wasn't. I think that was about I don't know four, four, five, something like that. And I think Claremont with a stop and things is more like. And that's seven. like your that's your local rival. Your derby game is Perpignan, which is a big bus trip. Like so, when you come over to Bayonne, when you come over to Toulouse, like because you're in a corner, like everything's long. The boys say, yeah, the boys say Claremont and Toulouse are the worst bus trips for Len and I think they all we might fly I think some of them we sometimes we fly I think but they were all like oh it's the bus they were like no I was like why is it how far I was like, is it that bad um, and then I can confirm yeah it's that bad when you get back after, it's the worst after the game because you get back at like four in the morning the next day Sunday's a write off because you're just knackered so you mentioned the French there obviously with what you said earlier on about scrum half being such a 
pivotal position. Obviously, it's a pivotal position in England and Scotland and elsewhere, but in France in particular, is that something that obviously you've tried to learn a bit of French before you went over there? You're still doing it now, having having lessons. And are you already seeing the kind of communication levels from nines in France is arguably more because of their their role? Yeah, maybe a little bit at times. Um, I find, um, you know, I've I found I've had to be sort of really patient and, and calm at times um, just because, you know, if there's obviously too long, there's a lot of people who speak English, so it's not, it's not too bad, you know, um, there are, there are enough players and people like Teddy um, also speak French and English. So there's quite a few Baptiste speaks French and English. So there's, there's, there's enough players in the squad for you to be able to, you know, if, if something's, if you, if I'm not happy, like Pierre said to me, he was like, look, if you're not happy with something, something's not going right. Just speak in English and there'll be enough people there who'll understand and they'll get the gist of it. So the better, the main thing is just to talk and, be, you know, be really clear with your communication and try in French. But if you can't, just do it in English and then we get the point across. I think that was probably like maybe my first game against Oyana, maybe. I just was a bit, maybe a bit quiet at times when I probably should have talked more because you're like, oh, should I speak in French? Should I try and say it? Like, how do I say that in you know, and when actually you just best just to communicate, crack on, and, and luckily at Toulon there are a lot of people who speak speak English, so it's not it's not too bad, you know. Um, and again, Pierre's English is is reasonably good. Andrea Massi, Masso's English is good. So and Sergio speaks English as well. So you know, it's actually not too bad. So if there's things in meetings, all the meetings are in French, but if there's some certain things that they need to direct at me or in certain areas, they'll they can speak to me in English. As well, but I'm slowly picking understanding the rugby side of French more. But yeah, speaking is <laughs> typical. <laughs> if you're a forward, you get a placage, placage with Ben's <laughs> right. He's got he's got a bit more than that. No, but the, the beauty is, mate, it's technical French. Like once you know that a Shondell is like an up and under, or you have your code for like whatever a box kick from nine is like, like rugby language yeah. is just rugby language. It's technical. It's the same anywhere, but you just have your code words for D or the way you're coming up, and it's all the same. So yeah, once exactly. you've got those down and you can get first names down, then you're, you're sweet. Yeah, like you say, obviously you've got all of our all of our calls and whether that's in French or English, it's basically just a code word for something else. So as long as you know what the word is and what it means in is in terms of the action, then you're 90% of the time you're good. It's just the the bits of little little chat, you know. But no, it's, yeah, I'm, enjoy, I'm enjoying it. I'm enjoying having to to learn something new, you know, and a, and a new challenge. It's, yeah, it's exciting. Mate, it's an incredible challenge. And again, you talked on, like, some of the names. That's the beauty of Toulon. Like, your Dan Biggers, your Baptiste Sarans. And what a competition that is as well. There's a boy who, he'll also be feeling, right, well, Antoine Dupont is not going to be there for the Six Nations. So there's another spot up for grabs. So you'll be tilting for Scotland. He'll be tilting for France. But, like, the challenge between you to battle out for game time, make the nine jersey yourselves... And the beauty of France is you can't play all the games because it's such a marathon. The competition is so long. You'll get to share game time as well. So what has it been like? You mentioned little language bits, but learning little tidbits and playing with a guy like Baptiste Saran as well, who's an absolute vet in the top 14. Yeah, I mean, he's obviously uh, a a fantastic scrum off um, uh, and he's very, you know, he's very skillful. I think certain things that he he looks for within the game is probably different to, to what, you know, I've looked for in the past or what I've been taught in the past. It's slightly different, so um, no, it's been definitely good um, playing, playing and training with him, and and yeah, it's obviously good competition, isn't it? You know, if you're competing against one of the best nines in the world every day, you've got to be on it every day, otherwise he'll make you look 
a lot worse. So you have to make sure, like, I'm, I have to know all my roles. I have to know everything. I have to be playing well. And I think also something that, you know, that they do, they do really well is that, you know, they're not afraid to to try things and to, to be creative and, you know, little attacking kicks or offloads and things. And, and that's something that I'm going to, you know, try and add to my game and practice um, and hopefully can bring into, into matches as well. Like, I almost think that sometimes, like, as, as Brits, is quite, you know, calculated, low risk. You would always go for a box and, and you know, there'd be like a, a system you'd stay within as opposed to maybe looking for something else or trying to find space with a creative kick or trying to draw somebody in and, and then get the ball away. So, like, what is it about our upbringing, is you, do you think, that makes French rugby a little bit looser and allows them to look for those things, whereas as Brits were maybe instinctively maybe more team-based and structured, if that makes sense? I think they're, they're obviously very skillful here they practice a wide variety of, of passes and kicks and and they do they do them regularly you know um in training you know some of the things you see are oh my god wow like that's an incredible offload or an amazing pass or like that chip kick or things that that necessarily people you know feel pressured to do obviously you know if it's i don't know if the the kicks charged down or it's, it's the pass is intercepted and you know the negative outcome that the pressure that that can put on the team but I think, um, you know, here there's like, for example, for one of the tries at, at, at the weekend, like the crossfield kick that Baptiste did for the Jules to, to score in the corner. That was unbelievable. Yeah. So that's, that was like, um, that was one of our plays for the week, you know, looking at that space and, and again, so get to the 15, drag the fullback across and there should be an option for the nine to kick straight because again, the nine's the first point from, if you go one pass, it gives people time to recover and things. So actually, you know, to go to that space from the nine, from a crossfield, from the far 15, you know, some would say is is a risky play because of the distance it is, but actually, you know, they they looked at that and we practiced it in the week and, and he executed and we obviously scored. So I think, um, you know, they're not afraid to come up with, with plays like that that are, you know, around the scrum halves and things, um, which necessarily maybe in, in England stuff would be more off the off the fly half, which is a bit, you know, it's a bit different, but it's 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 good. And obviously, you know, you have to have the skill to do it. And he nailed the kick at the weekend. So, um, you know, it's things like that 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 are, that are new to me and practicing those different types of kicks and things and the passes. But yeah, I'm really enjoying just adapting and and learning new things and seeing a way that that people play. I'm sure Johnny is desperate to talk to you about Scotland as well, but you mentioned it's been a complete whirlwind ending up in Toulon and it obviously happened very quickly, but we should touch briefly on what happened with London Irish. We had Paolo Adogwe on the show shortly after Wasps went under and he ended up in Stade Francais and it was really interesting hearing about kind of the lines of communication, exactly what unfolded. So for you personally, obviously it's worked out well and for others it, it hasn't worked out so well but because it happened sort of just after the end of last season officially how did you hear about it and how was it for you personally yeah obviously like you say um you kind of just chuck your whole life's chucked up in the air obviously as as rugby players you become very routine you know you this is what you do on monday this is what you do on tuesday this is what you do you go into your club then you play saturday and you know you kind of know what you're doing every, every day and then for almost it just to be like Bang, none of you have got contracts. You're all, you know, go find jobs. It's like, right, okay. Um, you know, it's very hard for people who have who've been at the club for a long, long time. They've come through the academy there as players, they've turned pro there as players, and then it's 
you know, you've also got that emotional side that's different to, to someone like me who came there and it'd only been there for two years. You obviously have a, you know, an emotional connection with the club, but it's, 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 it's not as deep rooted as, as some other. So, um, and you know, it's the staff as well, like the staff that have been there for years and years and years and years and years. And then, you know, again, they're in the same boat as us. You know, we were having Zoom calls as play as a, as a whole, you know, London Irish entity as such. And there's, you know, staff on there who are losing their jobs. You know, we had people, you know, husband and wife at the club who've lost their jobs, who've lost both incomes. And it's like, all right, well, off you go. You're like, you, you've got nothing here. Um, you know, it, yeah, it's, it, it's incredibly brutal. And it's all, you know, it's sad. But, you know, ultimately... It's it's a business, and and as savage as it is, you know, somebody's putting in a lot of money, and if they don't see that they're going to be making money, or and they just see it as a loss every year, every year, every year, it's it's if you lose the love that you have for the club, then your head's going to take over and go, well, I'm losing five million quid. I don't know, what it, I don't know how much exactly it was, but I'm losing all this money. Is this a smart decision? And obviously, when you've got things like COVID that happened, and you don't know how other things are going, and inflation's rose, and all this stuff, and it's like you know, to, to ask somebody to throw away so much money for a club that they love is, you know, people. If you lose your heart, it's it doesn't look like a great decision. That's why you know, I guess at Toulon, you you know, somebody like Bernard, who's the president, he's given an awful lot, and you can see how passionate he is every day being at the club and you see how much he actually cares for the club and the city of Toulon and wants them to do well and I guess that's where as a player you're like right I I need to I need to work there's no excuse for me not to work hard every day there's no excuse for me not to give my all on a match day because I need to do this because there's you know I guess one thing I have learned from this whole situation is the fact that you know people have spending a lot of money to me for me to do what I love and when that gets taken away from you it makes you realize you know I've got to I've got to take advantage of this opportunity that I've got, and and I'm very grateful for you know for Toulon and, and the club to 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 give me a contract in that in that tough time, and you know I just want to sort of repay them. And I wonder, mate, the question that comes to my mind when you're talking through it is, yes, incredibly fortunate. You'd obviously played at a really high level, and you deserve to continue playing. But the weird thing is, so did the other fifty boys that are part of the squad, right? So my my question, in my head goes to like. You're now one of the lucky ones. So what happened to, of the 50 people that were part of the playing roster and academy at Wasps, at Irish, at other clubs, rumoured to be another one in financial trouble as well. Like, can you put a finger on, or do you know generally where everyone is? Like how many of the boys found other teams and how many had to just pack up and go and get back on the tools or do something else? I think we had a half decent, we had a good season. Um, You know, we only just missed out on the playoffs. So I guess that, I guess shown everyone in a in a in a in a decent light that was playing, but like you say, it's, it's it's savage, you know. And it's not just it's not just people getting new jobs either. It's people being in, you know, you go from being potentially a first choice at a club to a third choice. You go from second to fourth. Is um, you know, there's all of these different variations within within what happens, and obviously because of the time scale of when it happened being so late in the year. A lot of clubs, you know, in the Premiership, there's salary caps, and this, well, there's a salary cap in the top fourteen as well. It's just more, but and obviously you have the whole GIF situation in France as well. So it's it's not as easy to just say like, oh, everyone, will, everyone will get new jobs. It's fine because where where are these jobs? There there isn't there aren't any, and it, it applies to every club, right? So even they have like Saracens this week. So Owen Farrell is he going to be chosen as the marquee player? Is Maro Toji going to be forced to leave? 
So might we see him in the top 14 next year? Like now it's almost more than ever in the Premiership. Nobody's immune. Whereas the top four team seems to be with firmer resource, better backed and flying, which is really weird. If you listen to people speak about the Premiership, they're very down about it. You know, rugby's dwindling, attendances, for whatever reason, you've arrived in Toulon and the top 14, you see it every single week. It is absolutely flying. You know, rugby is huge here. They did. I mean, we have people turn up to, to our training ground. I mean, the the president's built an, an incredible training ground at Toulon. You know, like it's it's pretty breathtaking actually. Um, and you know, there's this uh, there's a restaurant and, and basically with like a stand overlooks the training pitch. And you know, we'll have I don't know fifty to two hundred people turn up to watch a, a Tuesday. Yeah, you know, they'll come and watch a Tuesday Tuesday session, and they'll just want to be there want to see the players want to interact with the players they want to just watch watch training and 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 do that so you know it's um and you obviously don't i don't, I don't think there's many clubs that have that so you know people here are, are mad for rugby which helps obviously again you know that's that's a privilege because you know you've got to you've got to play for those people who are you know they're, they're paying your wages if we don't play well if we don't perform you know you know that you're putting the club under pressure because less fans will turn up, less people want to be there. You know, there's more pressure on the coaches. So it's it's definitely um, having seen what happened at London Irish, you know, you need to grow the fan base. It needs to be, it needs to be something that's substantial and ultimately getting people through the gate to watch the games, to make the games exciting, to be passionate about their team is, is what's important, you know, and I think, you know, most games at, at, at the Stad Mayor, I think, I think that, you know, they're pretty much sellouts every every week. And, you know, if we can keep on this sort of winning curve that we're on and and, and get to keep pushing that top end of the table and, and, and hopefully start well in Europe, you know, I, I don't, I think the fans will really get behind us and pack out the stadium and, and that's what you want. And you feel the passion around the team and, and how happy people are. Um, even after, you know, just this result this weekend away at Claremont, you, you know, people message you and and see you around and 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 turn up today at training and you know they're just incredibly happy for, for that result and and to see the team fight for for a good away victory and obviously how you ended up at Toulon is is a more roundabout way than most it's not straightforward but it's high profile sort of the rules around players playing abroad and playing for their countries and that kind of thing and as Johnny mentioned if Mario Toje ends up going to the the top 14 or someone else massively high profile from England they might have to think again and that's in the news at the moment just purely from a Scottish perspective because that's your background your international team do you think it's going to benefit Scotland if presumably all the things you've talked about there learning different skills playing against different teams such high profile players week in week out that has to benefit Scotland right and then as well you've got younger players coming through at Glasgow and Edinburgh so you can see that that is a good thing. I know there's a counterpoint to that, but it, it's got to benefit Scotland, right? I, I well, I, I well, that's Johnny and said I put you in a difficult position there, Johnny. It's going to benefit Scotland, isn't it? Well, I want to see Ben playing the best level rugby that he can play. I also want, like, if you look back at Scotland now, this is a French rugby podcast. We're talking about Scotland. But like Ali Price has just moved to Edinburgh to get more regular game time. George Horn is first choice at Glasgow, so there's two boys there. But the more you can get playing at top level clubs at an elite level at some of the world's biggest clubs yes that's even better there's even to more benefit for scottish rugby because 
I always find the problem with Scottish rugby is it's small, right? There's two teams. There's only so many ideas. There's one coach or two coaches that control everything. So the more you can get out and get yourself exposed to the best players, the best coaches, the best leagues, the best atmospheres as well from a selfish perspective, like going to the Michelin at the weekend and playing in Clermont, like that's something as a Scottish player, you only got to do once every four or five years if you were lucky and part of the Champions Cup. Whereas now in top 14, you're going to Bayonne, you get to go to Clermont, you play at home in Toulon and it's phenomenal. So like I've always been for Scottish players leaving as much as Scottish rugby then gives up a bit of control in terms of game time management, how boys are training, their load and stuff that they get through. I think it's great in that it opens eyes of, of players. Yeah, and I think, you know, on that, like the way I see it was, I, I saw this as, it's an incredible club with a fantastic coaching team with, you know, amazing board, amazing president, with an amazing squad that has everything that you want as a player. And I, if I can go and play there and improve as a player, then that that's that's what's right for me. And that's only going to help me get better. And, you know, ultimately, if you're not playing if you're not playing for your club and you're not playing well for your club, then you'll never get the chance to play international rugby anyway, because you won't be, you won't be ready for it. Um, so, yeah, you know, like I, I the, the, the way I saw it was I needed to be somewhere where I was going to play and I was, I was going to play at a, a good level. And like you said, you, you want to compete against the best every day and every week. And, and, and that's, that's, you know, the privilege I've got at the minute of doing that, which is, which is, yeah, you know, it's really good. I'm, I'm, I'm loving it. And Gregor played in France as a player, right? And loved it. So, I mean, he must be broadly supportive of it as well. And he must know the benefits. Yeah. I, well, as, as I said, we were we were in camp when when obviously he knew that London Irish had gone under. Obviously, I spoke to, spoke to him about when I knew that Toulon was on the cards. Um, you know, obviously asked him, you know, how did he find playing in France? What did he... Do, do you think it's a positive experience for me? Do you think it will help me in terms of Scotland or help or hinder? And, um, you know, he he was he was for it. Um, you know, I guess ultimately he wants as many Scottish players playing week in week out, or, or, you know, around the world, doesn't he? Because um, there's there's no it's not like England where you're you're not allowed to play. So you know, you've just got to be playing well for your club, and that's that's what I want to do. And that's all I'm focused on, to be honest, at the minute is, 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 is playing well for too long. And then anything that comes on that is, is off the back of it, isn't it? But ultimately I have to do well for my team and, and do that every week. And then, you know, opportunities will arise. And if you're not playing and you're not doing well, then they probably won't. So that's why it's important for me to, to go to a, a club with, with where, where I felt like I was going to improve as a player and, and be able to play well. And so, mate, talk to us about the World Cup because you're obviously in a tough spot from the off with the draw, two of the biggest sides in the world, South Africa and Ireland. But can you talk us through the disappointment? Because there was a real feeling that if there was a time that Scottish, the Scottish set of players could do it, it was this World Cup that you could upset the odds and beat one of those big boys to get through. So how disappointing was the competition? Yeah, it was obviously obviously disappointing because like anyone, you know, you, you, you train for so long, I mean, you know, a World Cup pre-season is a long time, and you def- you spend a lot of time with 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 the whole whole squad, and and you know you get quite close, and obviously your one goal for that whole period is to is is to go deep into a World Cup and hopefully win it. So, and and I felt like we were we obviously had a good year and we were building well into it, but look, it's, this is just professional sport, isn't it? And you know, on 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 the day. 
we missed a couple of chances in South Africa and Tottenham, and that is test rugby. Like the margins are so small, you know, you 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 miss one opportunity to score a try, and the other team takes it, and and you can go from being six three to thirteen <laughs> very quickly. And um, yeah, it's 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 just we probably weren't accurate enough at times. Um, and didn't take our opportunities when they were there. And and that, that cost us in those big games. And the Irish game, to follow up, was almost crueler by nature in that, like, huge game. That was the chance. It was set up as a final sort of make or break to go through. And then it was one way. Like, for 50 minutes, it was Ireland playing as they had done for the past 24 months. And almost yeah. it was it was cruel to watch. And I, I'm wondering, like, in the debrief, like, because the boys look shell-shocked. I'm there commentating in the stands, like, heartbroken for you. And I'm wondering, like, what was said immediately afterwards in, in the sheds, like, towards the end of that game? Like, what does Gregor come out and say, or, or, or Jamie, or whoever's getting to speak after that type of game? Like, what do you say? It's one of these things, you know, it's 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 really difficult. I've obviously been playing that game. Um, but like you say, I think when, when you, it was just a bit like, wow, God, that's... You know, it's not the way that anyone wanted it to end. Obviously, it's a it's a funny thing. Like, I, I'm, you know, when you've experienced when these campaigns finish, you just sort it's it's just over like that. And you know, the next day you're kind of you're out of the hotel and you're you know, I was on a flight to Toulon the next day. So you, yeah, it's 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 it's, it, it, it's tough because we just didn't we, we just didn't turn turn up well enough at the start of the match, and that's you know no fault of, of anyone's I think that I, d- I don't think we played particularly badly in that first half we we actually in terms of our phase shape we we went through some good phases we built some good attacking opportunities and we didn't take them and Ireland punished us dramatically like you know I think they had yeah they had three lineup strikes and three tries within space of you know, the first 20 minutes and that, that really probably hurt us. Um, well, obviously it did hurt us, you know, um, but Ireland, Ireland played really well that day. Um, you know, everything was, was working for them and came off and it's obviously bitterly disappointing to end a, end a, end a campaign like that. And as you say, it is very strange because normally, whether it's a defeat or a victory, you pick the bones out of it, you move forward, you're like, this is what's going to happen next week. As you say, end of a World Cup, it's like, done everyone goes here there and everywhere and you're off but enough of that johnny bringing ben down i'm sorry chat. i'm sorry <laughs> mate i was heartbroken I'm, as was everyone like, i'm the exact yeah. same way watching the game and this i'm like i just felt so sorry for everyone because the, the build-up had been so good and the prep and the, the form and the knocking over big sides away from home and that's where the belief internally for the players and for us former players and for fans was there right but then that's also uh, you talked about the nature of top level sport is that Scotland as a side are more than capable of creating these opportunities and finishing them it just hurt like hell for everyone that during the pinnacle of the cycle it didn't happen at the World Cup but there's still a six nations around the corner there's two games at home you've got England and France at home there's three away games so all still to play for so that is back on the horse that's the next task and I imagine you are desperate, having not been part of that game against Ireland, to get straight back in there, get amongst it. Yeah, and obviously not playing in that game. That's why I was, you know, so keen just to, to... I spoke to Pierre and was like, I'll get a flight the next day and straight straight in Monday morning. And 
to get to get going because I knew I obviously not playing I knew that I needed to go to my club to turn up to show how much I actually wanted to be there you know not just not just be you know be at Toulon and be like oh this is great life's rosy you know it's like no this is I'm going there to to work hard every day to to get into the team to try and put you know my mark on the on the team and to play well for the club and to get wins and 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 that was that was sort of you know the intent that I wanted to show and to show that I can to play well in these matches and to get better and then you know when the next opportunity comes you know you you take it so you do just you you have to go and go on to to the next thing because if you you sit and dwell on things it's time flies it's obviously very early days at the moment but we can see how infused you are by the opportunity you've got there and and how life has started in Toulon so i think it's a one year deal initially can you see yourself staying in the top 14 ideally at Toulon definitely i'd i'd love to um i'd love to i'd love to stay here um like i say i guess the, you know the the hard thing but the beauty of a one year is the fact that i know that i have to, every every opportunity i get i've got to be on the money and 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 just enjoying it enjoy being there enjoying getting to know everyone enjoying the environment but but working hard and trying to take advantage of 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 every opportunity I get every minute i get to play for the club i've you know i've got to work hard and do well and try and get try and get the results for the team um the the tough thing is over one year is the fact that you know again you're out of a contract in a couple of months but at the same time you've got to play for it and you know I am loving playing here I really am um, I think it's a fantastic club so yeah look if they if they you know hopefully they they want to extend me things but I just have to keep working day to day and playing well and and then I'm hopefully hopefully opportunities will come but again that's something that that I don't control I just have to enjoy being in the in the minute and and enjoy enjoy being here enjoy working hard and 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 trying to get results mate looking ahead this weekend you got cast at home um yeah. they're off a series of wins they just beat Toulouse as well like you've done your prep what are you looking forward to coming up against this weekend in cast uh they're a top side um they've got a lot again like every every game every game this is the thing though every game in the top 14 you're talking about how big of occasion it is how big a match it is um and and it, and it really is obviously um if we can keep our momentum at home going it's it's it's, it's huge for for the, for the team and the club so um i think this weekend um will be a really big game like you say we obviously had a good win away at Claremont they had a good win at home to Toulouse so it's um it's a good matchup and i think whoever wins could you know we could maybe leap from them in the table as well so cast are a good side they've got you know they've got a really good kicking game and they've got a really strong forward pack and again these teams and, and what I found a bit in the top 14 is even if all of a sudden you're in a, a bit of an arm wrestle and then somebody will do something incredible and everyone just comes alive and next minute you're stood in your own post and you're like how's that happened we were under you know we had the game in control because there's so many brilliant players you have to be mentally focused from from minute one to, to 80 to, to to get the results brilliant to have you on Ben it's great to hear you talking so positively about life in France especially after what happened at London Irish and with Scotland at the World Cup and here's to you putting a smile back on Johnny's face in February as well <laughs> no cheers thank you very much for having me on no yeah loving my time in France and hopefully good things to come we'll get you back on when you've signed a new contract at the exactly. end of the season Ben the four the four-year <laughs> extension we'll get on to Pierre Mignoni get the four-year <laughs> extension in the bag and then you come back on <laughs> cheers guys cheers Ben mate good luck this weekend thanks a lot mate cheers. thanks bye
he seemed genuinely enthused by rugby in France. Johnny. Not that I was expecting anything different, but it was it was great to. He's a great boy. Um, oh, it's hard as well because the difficulty is Scotland World Cup disappointment, London Irish horrible. So it will have been a tough year for him as well psychologically. And incredibly lucky that he's found that type of challenge, found the year contract at Toulon. And look, he's excellent. Like he's a really, really good player. So I just hope that he keeps impressing, picks up that game time and gets that extension because clearly he's loving it, the experience. And also from a Scottish perspective, it's great to have him. He was previously playing at a high level in the Prem with Irish, but it's great to have him, different challenge, but playing high level at a club like Toulon. So now great to have him on and here's hoping he goes from strength to strength in the comp. And we spoke about Ben and Toulon's win at Claremont. What mm-hmm. else caught your eye in the top 14 last weekend? Racing winning away in their Parisian derby again, beating Stade Francais in Stu Lancaster's first derby. But I think that is potentially the seventh consecutive win that Racing have had at Jean Wang. I think they've won seven on the bounce there. Wow. Um, so that was impressive. Uh, Bayonne, they demolished Poe. That is the 40-64 derby down here. I'm not sure if you'll get that reference. No. So you got the, the 40 department, you got the 64 as well. Okay, geography, I got it. Geography, <laughs> uh, not too close. It's like, you know, a couple hours between the sides, but they demolished uh, Poe, who have been really impressive so far at the start of the season. I mean, I enjoy watching Bayonne, mate. Pragmatic, very effective, no rock stars, hard edge them up front, well organized, and they score collective tries. Um, Cami Lopez is also activating another, he had an option of a year, an option of a year extension to his contract. He's, I think, taken that up, which is great news for the club. He'll be there next season as well. Um, so great win for Bayonne. What about are you now, Johnny? They, Wait, they uh, absolutely they pummeled the like and again we were talking with Ben before we recorded about the beauty of the five o'clock kickoff in France with Canal Plus. And you see like they don't play the game in its entirety, but they flick between the games and they just show you action tries and there's a little siren that goes off. And mate, it seemed like Oyanax, the, the buzzer was going every three minutes. They absolutely smashed Leon. They were 30 points to three up at half time. So that was huge for them. And Joel Abd, who's doing a decent job with Oyana, La Rochelle Bordeaux. Did you watch that one? No. Squeaking through again. Bordeaux scored some excellent tries. Damian Penno got his first of the year. Mate, Bordeaux are going to be good. They're going to be very good. They've just got quality in every position. Like the second row is like six deep in who they can pick. They've got firepower in their midfield. They're eight. It's like they're ball carrying. They're just, they've got so much talent. La Rochelle squeaking home. Like Bordeaux were 13 points up. La Rochelle came back with a bit of scrum dominance. Um, Perpignan. Again, that's created the sort of havoc in Montpellier and generated the stories there this week. But Perpignan getting another win um, and Montpellier being bottom of the pile. So, mate, there's been loads of bits, loads to look forward to as well. This weekend, huge games. We talked about Toulon cast. Toulouse-Clermont, will Antoine Dupont, Dupont be back at 10? Montpellier, they're home to Oyenard. They need to pick up Gotta points. That. Mate, they have to. They, they have to. Um, Poe against Stade Francais and Racing against La Rochelle. So, mate, the games, they keep coming into the Christmas period, into the festive period. The great bit so far is that despite the conditions, we've seen loads of rain, there's been some really attractive quality rugby played. So looking forward to more of it this weekend in the top 14 and another weekend of quality action. Absolutely. Look forward to hearing what happened in those games and how the Paw Patrol cake was next week. Mate, Paw Patrol pick with a glass of something. 
alcoholic. I don't know. It's going to be a good combo. Looking forward to it. Cheers, Johnny. Big thanks to Ben White for joining us as well. And thanks to all you guys for listening. Make sure you hit subscribe. Leave us a nice review if you can. Check us out on Rugby Pass and on YouTube. And we'll be back with another episode next week. Au revoir, Johnny. Cheers, mate. Bye.